Welcome, my fellow ghouls, to The Night Shift, a horror review show celebrating and critiquing tears both old and new, while featuring the opinions of me, your host and horror cheerleader, Kyle Stuke, along with my pool of guests, Agore of... Uh, nope. <laughs> Agore of Blend. <laughs> nope, that's not what I was trying to say. Of Agora sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> a ginormous... Uh, no, a blend of gorehound snobs, newcomers, and scaredy cats alike. Ugh, how embarrassing. Tonight, I am joined by my friend... Tony Farina. Tony, how are you doing after watching that blunder? Uh, that blunder was ace. I hope you leave it in. <laughs> I mean, I know it's it's hard. It's your show. You can edit it right out, but I am happy to be here. It's always good to see your face. And um, I can't wait to finish our vampire trilogy that we've teased. It's funny. We were just going to do one crossover yeah. and turn it into a whole vampire trilogy. So I'm excited because we've been sexually harassing Brad Pitt for months now. <laughs> it's about time we actually talk about a movie he's in yes. while we sexually harass him. So Yes, it's all been building to this climactic, sexy vampire <laughs> orgasm um, that is... Uh, what is this movie called again interview with the vampire with the vampire yeah (laughs) slash i'm i'm thinking though because i don't want to stop objectifying brad pitt so i'm thinking we make (laughs) a new podcast that's just all (laughs) about brad pitt (laughs) it's unreal he is unlike people we were talking about off air like brad pitt and or like uh, paul rudd and carla uh, Gucchino and a few other people who have not aged. Brad Pitt has aged, but he looks still amazing. He's aged like fine wine. Like you're like, yes, you obviously are not the same that you were before. You were a little grape, a little sexy grape, and now you kind of got a little wrinkles, but they also there's like gray hairs on it and sexy gray hairs. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's unreal. Yeah, um, yeah, that shows my opinions on on grapes right there. You're like, oh, right Kyle's there. got a weird <laughs> fetish wow. thing. That's the true horror. Um, but, uh, yes, I, I will just say if anyone has not listened to the previous episodes with Tony, I, you know, you don't have to, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I think you'll get a lot more enjoyment out of this episode. If you've listened to the previous <laughs> vampire episodes, cause that's where a lot of this, uh, again, pent up energy comes from, you know? Yeah. Um, this was like, it, and I'll tell you it, it, you know, when we get into it, but it lived up to it. Like when we talked about 30 Days of Night, we were like, these vampires are awful. Why aren't they sexy Brad Pitt vampires? And then when we watched Daybreakers, we're like, well, there's some some sexy vampires in there, but still. And now you're like, oh, right. <laughs> and you're like, this movie is very sexy. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> this movie is thirsty in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That's well done. Thank you. That's thank you. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of uh, this movie, Tony, will you just give us a quick little uh, plot description, little synopsis, little snope-eye um, of what happens in this film for our listeners? Sh- sure. So Interview with the Vampire is a story about a vampire who is telling his life story to a reporter back on a time when you recorded things on cassette tapes. What's that word? Ca- ca- it's a cassette. Cassette. Cassette tapes. Yes. And um, and so what we learn is he was born in the 1700s. So we, we live his life, um, uh, his first hundred years or so as a vampire while he um, is – he's a reluctant vampire as it were. Yes. And we learn that maybe vampires aren't what we think they are and uh, it's very sexy. <laughs> and uh, there's Paris and there's uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Tom Cruise and – 
Antonio Banderas. Seriously, I don't even think you could that they couldn't even get them all on screen today. It would just sizzle and break. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I mean, the, the plot is very simple. It is truly just the story of an immortal. Um, and what I like about it is the idea that it's making it real. Like yeah. that's the plot is that it's supposed to be planting vampirism into the reality out of mythology. And so it's a really mythology busting film and book as it were. So um, I don't want to get too much into it because I know we, we got to save some stuff for the spoiler section later, but uh, that's it. I don't know if I did a good job. I should, I knew you'd ask too. And I never write down the plot. <laughs> I just guess I wing it. I mean, I've seen it. I've read the book several times, but here I am. I think you did a good job and all right. Important. I give that review. I give that summary a five yeah, out of five. Um, out of, oh, no, out of ten. <laughs> I give it five Brad Pitts. Oh, out of ten. That, I mean, even just one Brad Pitt's good. So good job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't know what I would do with five. Tony, I'm getting hot. Uh, not enough of me. But that scene of Doctor Manhattan and Silver or Silk Specter and, <laughs> and Watchmen. If you know, you know. Oh. Anyway, uh, anyway. <laughs> um. Yes, well, uh, that is the that the plot description, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this movie. We're gonna talk about all the sexy faces, the long fingernails, the biting, sometimes sexy biting, sometimes not sexy biting, sometimes a mix. But before we do that, we're gonna take a quick little break. Uh, Tony wants to show me something um, in the back room. Uh, you know, he's he, uh, <laughs> so we're gonna go look at that real quick. Uh, he has a cup and he has a, like a weird fingernail that has like a knife on it. So I'm sure it's gonna be fine for me. But well, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's he's. I'm gonna give you the choice I didn't get. Ooh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the movie. We will be right back on the night shift and normally this is where i scream really loud but it's kind of late and i don't want to upset my roommate so instead you're gonna get a sexy scream on the night shift Wow. All right. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> should uh, we take a should we take a break? Do you need to go I'm okay. okay. All right. I'm okay. Cool, cool, cool. I've got some water. I'm fine. Well, okay, so we're back. We're talking about interview with the vampire. Um there's two things I want to accomplish here very quickly. First, I want to say that for the longest time I thought this film was called Interview with a Vampire. And mm. apparently someone else did too in the reviews uh, because they were like, um, this is an interview with the vampire. This is interview with a vampire. Ugh, Mandela effect again. And I was like, but, no, you're wrong. And you're doing the thing that you're talking about. It cracked me up. I was like, you're on That's the amazing. IMDb page. You can scroll up and see that they're you can the right see one. What it's called. Watch the yeah. movie. It'll say that too. It's really funny. It says it. It's everywhere. It's on the book. It's everywhere. Yeah. Because it, it, in the book, the reason it's called Interview with the Vampire, sir, whoever you are in the world, is that. In the book, it's the vampire and the boy, not Louie and Daniel. Like, you don't know their names. Oh. And, and it's only later that Louie comes out, the name Louie comes out. And Daniel's name never even comes out, I think, until the second or third book Okay. in the series, um, The Interviewer. So he's just called the boy in the, in the book. Okay. And so he's the boy and the vampire, and it's just... 
because she's Anne Rice, she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Well, and so in the book, since he's the boy, does that mean that it's like for the school newspaper? Is he like a six-year-old interviewing? Uh... I, I dislike the name. I got to say, <laughs> the only reason I think she does it is because while he is a grown man, um, or maybe at, like in his 20s, is that compared to Louie, yes. he's a boy. Okay. Okay, Anne Rice, I see you. Shoot. Uh, which that's a good transition because that was the other thing I wanted to talk about is you have read the book. And so I just wanted mm-hmm. to get some quick background because I saw that Anne Rice actually wrote the screenplay for this, uh, which is mm-hmm. fun because sometimes that doesn't happen. And then you get situations where people are like, oh, this has nothing to do with my work. And so for you, like, what's your history with this this film slash this, this property? Like, which did you become aware of first? Did you, and then we're... Did you see it in the theater? Do you remember the reactions? Because this movie came out a year after I was born. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm old. Yes, that so was my sly way of calling you old. It's uh. totally fair. So, the, I did not, this book came out, the book came out when I was three years old. So, I did not read it then. I mean, I was an advanced you, reader, <laughs> but not that advanced. Okay. Um, I did start reading when I was three, but it wasn't this book. Okay. So, that'll flex. So, I love it. Yeah. So, what we, um, I picked it up probably my junior, senior year in high school. Okay. So we're talking 90, 91. And then um, at that point in time, I want to say Lestat, Queen of the Damned, and The Body Thief are all out of the original Vampire Chronicles. Mm. Um, and so I read Interview. I got it like literally, you know, the old paperback oh, at yeah. the grocery store. Oh, you know, at the like grocery the, the mass store market. too? Oh, yeah, I missed yeah. that. Yeah. That's amazing. I know you used to get comics there yeah. too. It's sad. I think I think we're missing out on that. So yeah. I picked it up, read it in a sitting, read this wow. in a day, and then went and got not in a sitting, but in a day, and then went out and got uh, Lestat the next day, read that. So I read the first two books back to back, and then I got to Queen of the Damned, which I affectionately called Queen of, and I know you're a Christian, I'm sorry, Queen of the Goddamned, <gasps> because... That book drove me absolutely up well. It took me four attempts to get through it because the first book is this this interview with Louis and Daniel. And the second one is from Lestat's perspective. And the third one, Mix's perspective. And she's not great at that. Okay. I mean, she's great at a lot, but that just didn't work. And I couldn't follow everything. So then um, I think it was then Body Thief came out. And so then I was like, okay, I got to get through this book. So I read the original Vampire Chronicles all the way through the Vampire Lestat. Or not Vampire Lestat. Uh, what's the last one called? Anyway, something about where Lestat bites Jesus. I can't remember what that one is. That <laughs> happens. I'm not even making that up. But I'll think of what it's called. Let's knock the devil. Lestat knock the devil. Jesus. I totally want that true. so bad. I, I, that happens. Okay. And so, Dang, wow. And then knock the devil. Yeah. And so anyway, um, and those first five, and then. She she kind of went away from the Vampire Chronicles and, you know, she then she came back later and I never really got back into those. Uh, but the original five I liked very much. And um, so when this film came out, I had already read the first four books, okay. the first at least three for sure. So I was all in. So I saw it opening weekend at the theater. Um, I know Anne Rice was on record of wanting John Malkovich to be um, Lestat at first. Like she was anti Brad or she was anti uh, Tom Cruise being Lestat. Mm-hmm. And I was too, because I am not on team Tom Cruise. I think I think he's good in this because I always find Tom Cruise good when he has a director who knows what he or she wants. Mm. When Tom Cruise is in charge of a movie, it's usually off the fuck 
rails, but when somebody <laughs> else is in charge of the movie, it's good. Yeah. Um, so, but I was pleasantly surprised when I saw it in the theater. And I will say there's moments in the, in the theater um, where you could, and we'll get, when we get to that scene, when um, Lestat or when Louis and Armand are, are like cheek to, you know, mouth to mouth, as it were, <sighs> the, the, like the tension in the theater, it was silent. Ooh, Wow. Everybody was like leaning forward <laughs> and it's a testament to the actors, but to Neil as well as a director, he's, you know, he built, he, it was, it was the craziest thing to hear like an entire theater. who's like, you know, into this movie and having a good time and whatever. And it's raucous. And then that scene silence, like just sucked the light, like not the life, but everybody held their breath for a second because it was 1990, what, six, 94. No, Three, this is 94. Oh, yeah, 94. Yeah. 94 and the movie came out. So the thought of seeing like, and these were nobodies at the time, Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas weren't names yet. Mm. Right. They weren't who they'd become. Mm. They were, they were clearly, this is their literally coming out party as it almost <laughs> was. Um, but, but you know, they weren't superstars, but really, so just, but to see the lead and the third billing guy in a movie that everybody thought was going to make out in 1994. Yeah. It was like everybody was out and, and the movie makes you want them to. And um, so that was my, my memory of it. And then so we were all in and we had a good time. And then the fucking sympathy for the devil starts and we're excited. And then we're like, wait, what is this? And it was the Guns N' Roses version. It's so bad. That was disappointing. What a way to destroy what I thought was. Yeah. Had, I was having fun the whole time. So that was my in theater memory of it. Mm. While little one year old Kyle was in Ecuador it, thinking in Spanish, somebody in Michigan is upset for some reason. Yeah. I was like, and it was me. I was yeah. riding my, my mount, my Jaguar through the forest, collecting <laughs> larva. Are you for, Diego? I am. And, uh, oh, I, didn't <laughs> I was like, Dora, where are you? And I found out she'd been taken by the headhunters. So, and then all of a Crazy. sudden I fell off because there was this terrible, somewhat gay energy that I was like, wait, yeah. there's, there was two men who were kind of like biting each other slash biting other people. And it was yummy. But then in the end, a weird song came on and made it not cool. And then I was like, I what a strange thought. So, <laughs> so I'm the reason that, that Dora died. Oh, we got her back. Um, oh, shoot. Okay. She just ah, didn't have right. as much of her as before. So, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and who does Dora life takes limbs. everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, three limb Dora is better than than no limb. It gave her perspective. She was getting a little sure. bit big for her britches. She was constantly right. turning and talking to people who weren't there, and it was really weren't weird. There. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Honestly, if a fox kept stealing my stuff, I would be this. I'd be a little frustrated too. But right, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for giving me that. I always love hearing about like original theater experiences because a lot of like yummy cinema isn't that far from us like it's kind of crazy you know what i mean like film mm -hmm. film hasn't really been along that or around that long in terms of like the history of the world and so it's cool to like meet people consistently where it's like hey what was star wars like what was jurassic park like what was the godfather like because you know a lot of cool stuff came out in the 90s but again i was very young and i also was not in the country and so right. um, i love being able to <laughs> the hear ecuadorian cinema was slightly different we only yeah. had one cinema and it was a, a porno cinema and so I didn't, so and I didn't realize there. that for a long time. I was, my, I was like, "Mom, there's a theater. Why can't we go see movies? I want to go see movies." She's like, "It's not the kind of movies you'd want to see, my boy." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, Moms know. Yeah, it's true. 
Um, like you said, the director is Neil Jordan. And to be honest, I don't really know. I looked up his IMDb and I've already forgotten what else he he did. Is there stuff that is <laughs> meaningful to you that like does is he is he known as for auteur-esque things? Does he have a style? Is he drawn towards things? Because again, I looked in preparation for this show and I already do not know what else he has made. Well, the movie that got him this movie was called The Crying Game. Oh, oh, I've seen one scene from that and it scarred me. Um <laughs> The scene the that scene, everybody's yes. seen from the crime. Yeah, yeah. You know the movie that he did most recently that I haven't seen, but I want to, is called Greta with Chloe Grace Mortez. Um, that looks actually pretty amazing. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, The kind of thriller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. okay. I have not seen it, though. And he, so he did Michael Collins with uh, a young Liam Neeson as a rabble rouser in Ireland. Mm. That was his follow-up to this. But so those three were his big movies in a row, right? Where they were like, he's he's doing this deep character sketch about somebody in the, in the midst of something big. Okay. So he, he manages to take a story that could be a crazy and outlandish, which all three stories are. And they're set at times of, rev, of revolution, of change, of turmoil. But he also still focuses on characters. And so he just... I think he gets the best. I think he gets really great performances out of his actors. Um, and I don't, I'm not on set. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a screamer or maybe he just gets up in there and he whispers sweet nothings in their ear. I don't know what his, I don't know what his thing is, but I've, I've always been kind of a fan of him. I think, I think he makes dark movies and not dark. Like, in a, you know, sometimes you're like, like the problem with Solo, I really liked Solo, but it seemed like the whole thing was shot in the dark. Oh, yeah. Like under a blanket, right? And it's like, that's not a Ron Howard thing to do, but it's because he was, you know, having to reshoot things to make it his movie, yeah. take it away from Lord Miller. So, um, but I, I just, I've always found that Neil Jordan can shoot scenes in the dark and he uses shadow and light really well. And I think the turn in the crying game, for those people who haven't seen Crying Game, I, I, you know what I'm gonna say is I don't even want to ruin it. If you've never, if you don't know if the crying game isn't ruined for you, you should go fucking see the crying game. Seriously, <laughs> 1992, and I think that's why going into this movie, I thought what would happen. I thought it would thought it would happen because he got away with stuff in the crying game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, so that's what I thought. Um, but anyway, so that's how I know of him. And uh, again, I you know he, he's. He's definitely uh, an indie director who got to do some blockbusters. And the people are like, why do we keep giving this guy money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like he he's almost more more trouble than he's worth. Yeah. You know, it's like he's making a good movie that nobody's seeing. Yeah. And he's not winning awards. And I think that's the problem. You can make good movies that nobody sees if you win awards. Yes. But you can't make good movies that nobody sees if you quit winning awards. Yeah. And he quit winning awards. There's the, Yeah, there's that list of, like, studios to where they're like, we want you either to, like, make us a lot of money or, we yeah, we want those award, like, we want to, like, have that luxury of looking good and stuff and if you don't give like we want both of those if we can have them but if we're not going to have both then like give us one of the other and so you're right when there's like these like million dollar movies that like critics are like oh yeah that was good and audiences are like i saw star wars instead what's that <laughs> right exactly what would you say you that? made a right. you made an angsty yeah. kind of gay vampire movie that sounds cool yeah. but like Indiana Jones punches Nazis, you know? Uh, right, which is always better. Right, yeah. No, it, it's exactly right. So I just think he's, 
I'm a fan. I like, but I like small things. Yeah. I like small movies. You know, I like movies that, I mean, this is a big movie, but it's, but it tells a small story. It's, it's, it's claustrophobic in some, in some ways. And I think, um, I think that's hard to do. Uh, I think if this, there's, this, I did read recently that uh, this is going to be made into a miniseries. Ooh, that excites me. Which, well, yeah, I think AMC maybe. Okay, is doing okay. It, which is, AMC yeah, does yeah. good stuff. And Anne Rice. Yeah, and Anne Rice is going to produce. Um, yeah, I don't know where I saw they they cast their Claudia. They said, which is always the most pivotal and important role, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. So that's my that's my thing. I feel like I've said too many words. So let me throw it back at you. Yeah, I'm going to boot you off. Um, uh, you've I, yeah, and tell me tell me how you came to this. I so I don't remember what made me finally watch it, but my origin story with it is. There were a couple moments throughout my youth where I got that little tingle of something being not allowed and there being a darkness associated with it and me going, ooh, I feel ashamed for how I feel, but I also kind of like it. Um, And so one of those moments was Silence of the Lambs. We were in Ecuador staying in someone else's house and I was looking through their VHS collection and I found the cover and I was just like what is this? Why is there like a moth on this girl's face? And like the title too, I was like, what does that mean? And my parents kind of like snatched it away and were like, don't worry about it. And I was just like, Ooh, there's something, there's something about that that I want to know. So moving away from that, another time in Ecuador, we went to, there's this, um, this settlement called Makuma that's like deep in the jungle. And one of the guys that we would go visit there, he basically wrangles, snakes he finds snakes and so that he can collect their venom and make anti-venom because everyone's getting bit by snakes in ecuador and so there's a lot of poisonous snakes and so his house is basically murder capital because he has it filled with snakes that's all the tubs there's spiders and stuff too and we would stay in this house and it was terrifying i was so scared i was always like why like i don't want to be the only here but like i feel like no one's talking about how there's a bunch of snakes there's a pool of snakes tarantulas here and so anyway that was was one of the films that we we found too the kids we were like looking around Mm. and we found the, the 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 vhs uh, for interview with a vampire, or the vampire. Sorry, again, it's ingrained in me. Um, yeah, the Mandela. Effect. That's right. Oh, the Mandela effect. Yeah. Um, and I remember again them. My parents were like, no, you can't watch that. Like that's like for the adults. And I was like, but why? I was like, is it because is there something scary in it? And my mom was like, uh, there's some. There's some stuff in it that's not good for you. And I was like, is it like bats? Like, is it like scary bats? And she's like, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Sure, scary bats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so again, I just had that feeling of like, what does that mean? Like interview with the vampire. Just the title intrigued me. I was like, okay, so they're talking to one? Like, And I didn't even really understand what a vampire was. I just knew it was kind of bad. And so flash forward to years later, um, and then I eventually watch it and it like a lot of films for young Kyle watching, it was one of the first experiences where I watched something and I felt something that I didn't quite know how to articulate it. And so when I first watched it, 
I've kind of already made the joke already, but I was like, I feel like this is sexual. Like, and I knew what yeah. vampires were, but I was like, but when he's biting her, I feel like he's making the face that teenage boys make like me when we do certain things. Yeah. And that's confusing because it's not sex, but I feel like they're saying it's sex. And like my brain was like coming to terms with like, oh, like, metaphor an analogy or like energy put into a film or you know but i just remember being like but they're they're not gay but they're they are they're kind of gay gay. like right like they want to they want to get it on right and then going to (laughs) basically having film class and like this film popping up uh, oh, and course. we talked about it and I was kind of like, oh, cool. I picked up on something that was real. I wasn't just horny and like projecting. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was correct. So anyway, that's my long winded, uh, story of, uh, interview with the vampire. So no, I like I love that. Um, I think, I think it's, I think it's valid. And I think as we go through it, um, yeah, I don't. I won't hijack. Are we going to do grades? Yes. Or, or is that not part of the show? Anymore? It is. Okay. It is. Whenever I am reminded. <laughs> okay. So Tony, on a scale of A through F, what do you think that I am going to give Interview with the Vampire? I think you're going to give it a B minus because I don't think it's scary. And you, this is a horror show, and you're like, you tricked me into just watching horny gay vampires when this is a horror show. B minus. Oh man, what a bad punishment. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to give it a B plus because you um, had that theater experience. You like vampires like I do, and you've read the books, and there's an appreciation for classy cinema that's also genre-focused. We'll see. We'll see if we're we'll right. Find out. Let's let's see how we go. Yeah. But I think we're both shooting high, though. We're yes. both... We're both. We're both. We both know that we didn't hate. It. Yeah. No. I like. I'll say I yeah. like this movie. So we'll just have to see what the positives and we'll negatives are. Yeah. So um, on yeah. that note, Tony, positives. What do you like about this film? What makes you go, "Ooh, yeah, suck on that." Mm. <laughs> I. <laughs> that's well said. I, <laughs> I think it's. I. I think, and I will admit to when I was younger. Uh huh. I, Kirsten Dunst, when I first saw it, she drove me crazy. I didn't, and as a teen actor, she drove me crazy. Now, are you saying drove um, me crazy like, ooh, baby, yeah, or are you like, ugh, you suck? No, like, ugh, okay, she's okay, awful. Okay. I thought she was awful because my brain, my this is this was before when I was a young and angsty man in college, <laughs> and still I still do it sometimes, but this isn't my, it's not my Claudia. I see. Okay. And I held it held it against her. Claudia is five. Oh, But you okay. can't ask a five-year-old to do this. Yeah, that's true. And I do know that Dan Rice made it. Each kid had to go through psychological counseling to even, um, or psychological evaluation to even try out for the role. Oh, interesting. And yeah, and so Kirsten Dunst won. I think there was a younger, like an eight-year-old or something. So it's... She just was not my Claudia. So I held it against her and I held it against her for a long time. Oh, like, man. She's good. She's a good actor, it turns out. But I held it against her for a really long time, even in the Spider-Man movies. I'm like, not my Claudia, not my Mary Jane. <laughs> I was just such an <laughs> about it. So so that I know that I, I'm saying what did you ask what I did like about it? This viewing, I was like, man, she's really great. Mm. I think it's really well cast. Um 
again, I went in not liking Tom Cruise. I think he's good in this. Yeah. I think Antonio Banderas Armand is a 17-year-old Russian redhead in the book. Oh, very different. <laughs> different. Just a slight, just slightly different. Just like one um, thing that's different. One thing that's different. <laughs> a 30-year-old Mexican. Uh, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I still, regardless of that. So I think that made me sour at the beginning. But th- on this viewing, you know, coming at it from this. So one of my favorite things about it, and I've already kind of talked about the ambiance and everything. I think it is very well cast. Um, what do you make of the case? Is there anybody who you're like, boo, that guy sucks? So, or, ha, ha, ha. again, like, I want, <laughs> you know, like you do, um, throw a tomato like at someone's head in one of those bah. medieval things. Um, what are those called, by the way? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, what when, those contraptions are where you put your head in your arm? Stocking. Yeah, thank you. That's what I was thinking of. That's why you're here, Tony. He, Tony was around back in the day when they used those, so I was that <laughs> old. Yep, I was there. Um, I think. Everyone, I've tricked you. I'm the vampire, and this is the interview. This is the this is the like dumb modern remake where it's like, oh, it's podcast <laughs> with the vampire. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I ruined that, and now we I should have saved that to the yeah, end. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I think the casting is great. It, ironically enough, I think the person who does the worst job in the movie is Brad Pitt, but he's also not bad it's just there's there's other things going on that i think lead to that but again i'll save that for negatives but um man tom cruise i'm with you like i'm not i'm not against tom cruise but i'm also not like oh yeah my boy like there is that that like star theory where it's like oh i'm gonna go see this movie because of this person Tom Cruise is not one of those people. Like, there's Collateral, which I love. I think is an amazing movie. And I love that Michael Mann. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love his character. I think Vincent's his name in that film. Uh, really cool. And there's a couple other stuff that he's done that I I like. But he's not the actor I think of when I'm like, oh, this per- person is going to, or this 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 celebrity, this actor is going to disappear. I'm just going to see Tom Cruise. But in this film, I feel like Tom Cruise really does actually disappear into Lestat, right? Is that his name? Um, yeah, Lestat. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just like so fun. He's like, sometimes when you, there's movies where a character is a dick and then watching them, you're like, I hate you. You're a dick. And the movie's like, well, yeah, like that's what it is. But there's other movies that are made so well where they're like, hey, this guy's a dick. But also you're like, man, I like it when he's on screen. And that's how I felt about Tom Cruise. It's like there's a scene where he's he's just being so obnoxious like he always is. And like it's a very there's something sad happening in the background that he just picks up a corpse and starts dancing with it. Dancing. <laughs> and it what was like scene. he owns it. And it made me like I totally bought that this vampire would do that. Um, but then he also has good range as well where there, when he's legitimately angry um, you're like, oh, Lestat's not playing anymore. But then there's other scenes where he's vulnerable, where you're like, oh, Lestat's not fully a monster. Like, he's also lonely and stuff. So me, for me, Kirsten Dunst, this was something that made me uncomfortable because I got a huge crush on her from Spider-Man because I was very young when I watched Spider-Man. So I was all like, sure. ooh, upside down rain makeout scene, yummy, yummy, yummy. And then I would w- watch these films where she's appearing as a child and it made me feel very uncomfortable because I'm like, I have a crush on her, but when she's older, but I know it's her. And so I feel weird. Like Jumanji was that way where I'm like, Oh no, get out of here. Young Kirsten Dunst. Like, no. And this film too, where I'm like, Ugh, like 
But she's great in Jumanji too. Yeah. But when I first saw Jumanji, also in the theater, by the Ooh, way. Ooh, nice. Um, I also was like, man, Christian. I was like, God, that movie's great. Bonnie Hunt is the queen. I love her and everything. Like, I leave that movie. I'm like, yeah, Kristen Dunst sucks. And again, objectively, she's good in that movie. But again, not my Claudia. And I held it against her yeah. for like 20 years. What an asshole <laughs> I was. Um, I hear what you're saying. For me, it's weird. It's um, it's it's not quite the same. It's uh, because I was the age of uh, when I saw The Outsiders, another Tom Cruise mm-hmm. performance. Uh, Diane Lane. Is, oh, uh, Diane um, Lane. Cher- and I was in love with Cherry from the book. And so then she is che- like, that is like perfect casting. Like that is like they, they, she wrote Cherry Valance and then she appears on screen. And so, so for me, like always that way with Diane Lane, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But then when you go back and you rewatch it, you know, she's only 17 and I'm however old I am. It's tough. Yeah. But because you're like, oh, she's just a child there. But she's now Superman's mom. So it's OK. Yeah. Is it? It's weird. I hear, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Film. It's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes us, it makes us feel weird. Yes. <laughs> Film makes me feel weird. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think everyone does a good job in the movie. Like for a long time, my ass thing was Christian Slater. For whatever reason, I decided that I didn't like him. And so I would just like mm. always complain. And so I remember when he popped up in this, I was like, ugh. But like you rewatch, and I just was like, oh, Christian, I have no problem with Christian Slater. He does his job. He does what he's supposed to do here. Well, and it was a, he did it in a pinch because River Phoenix died. That was River Phoenix's role. Uh, there was actually movie posters that had River Phoenix's name. Oh, wow. Okay. So he he did it in a pinch. So I don't think he had a ton of time to, to and he's only in, you know, he's just got to shoot the scenes in a room with yeah. sexy Brad Pitt. Um, I do hear what you're saying and we could talk about when we talk about negatives. Brad Pitt clearly doesn't want to be in this movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I still think he gives the performance. He is my Louis. Like I think, again, Aww. and um, yeah, I, I'll just say that. I'll just say he is, I think he's excellent as Louis. Um, uh, the other things that I love about it, again, are just the, the and you're a film guy, so you can tell me what what you think Neil Jordan does, but I think he kept, ca- like I said, I think he captures the claustrophobia of it. He captures like the grime of that. I mean, it feels like he built a time machine and went to dirty New Orleans. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I just feel dirty watching it. And I feel, I just think that's great. I don't know what it is about, about what he's doing. I, Cause I don't have the vocabulary like you do, but whatever he does in this, I like, I feel immersed. <laughs> it feels like an immersive film. Yes. No, I, I agree. I kind of wrote, I wrote down in my notes, um, just like the setting, um, is like so powerful in this film and it's not tied to one location. It's like the, the new Orleans one is, is, you know, the, the strongest one, but also having, you know, Paris and a few other places, I think, um, yeah, it just like, you really feel like you're there, but it doesn't feel, uh, movie like stagey it doesn't feel like a high school production where it's like we have a barrel in the background you're on a dock (laughs) um it's like when you see there's a shot of um brad pitt while he's narrating riding up to his plantation and you're just like oh wow that looks like really good so the production design like you buy that people are back in this time period and i think that's what makes the movie so fun is like again a theme too across all these episodes has been shit on Twilight. And so I'm going to say it again yeah. here, which is I don't have a big interest in 
modern like day stories with vampires. Um, I believe they can still be told and I'll be there. And then Tony and me will talk yeah. about it. But for me, it's like, yeah. I'm more interested in like how vampires are portrayed and how they're reacted to and what they do in any other time period. And I think that's really interesting. And it's been, it hasn't been capitalized on. And so this film's so fun. And it was a reminder of like, Oh, I like that. You have like these vampires going around eating aristocrats kind of during this period. Yeah. And, and even like being like, they taste better cause they suck. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, um, right. And so, <laughs> and it's like when he goes through Lestat's menu, and he's like, he always starts with a young woman, and this, but it's but the cream of the crop is like an asshole young white yes. dude, and you're like, wow, what a commentary! Yes, that's amazing, and that is almost word for word from the yes. book. That is exactly the thing where it's like eating ass white dudes is what <laughs> Lestat loves best. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I think the um <laughs> um. The the only I don't have any fancy film terms except for the word which I can can't even really say which is the mise en scene but like um, basically the idea that just like through the production design through what you're seeing you quickly understand in film language where you are and what they're going for mm. and so again like immediately you're just like southern plantation you know uh, like you unfortunately have the slaves and you know the plantation yeah. owner and then the dirty streets and there's the plague and um it just all works really well to where I'm like oh I want more vampires during like colonial times or western or like medieval like give me some more of that because it's more interesting than I have the power of eternal life and I'm 150 years old and I've decided to go to high school forever <laughs> It <laughs> was a nice channeling Christian Slater there too. Yeah, I, I want was, I wanted to honor nice, him. Um. That was yes. No, I agree. I hear what you're saying, and of course, as a Buffy fan and as somebody who's who's watching Angel right now, Jack and I are doing the Angel watch along. Obviously, Angel owes a lot to this, um, to this in particular, this book series um, as a character. And obviously, Twilight ripped off Angel, which ripped off this, which ripped off everything. So I hear what you're saying, but at least on Buffy, Angel does not go to high school. Mm. He's like, there's even the line, he's like, I am too old for you. That's the <laughs> line. And, and, you know, so you're like, yes, yes, you are. Um, no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think that that's, that is a weird, and the Twilight issue, you know, there's all kinds of weird age, age stuff there, mm -hmm. you know, that is way creepier than two gay vampires like yeah. you know to I mean like there's nothing there's nothing the thing is is there's nothing unnatural about any of this like the way that it's written in the book and the way that it's filmed is it feels like yes they belong together and this isn't they are an abusive marriage yes Lestat and Louis and then later Armand and Louis are like oh they found they're one true pair and like it's done it's it's and again like you said it, you don't have to explain it there is almost no exposition it's just like here is the thing here it is yeah. Live there. Yeah. Live there. Yes. Um, the only other, I mean, again, I like a lot of things about this movie, but I think the other thing that I do like is, you know, you, you'd kind of joked about how it's like, oh, like it's, this is a horror show. And then like, we're watching this kind of like steamy, you know, like people just like. Softcore vampire. Yeah. Vampire yeah. Movie. yeah. But there is a lot of stuff in this that does it for the horror fan in me. Um, there are a lot of scenes where, um, like the grossness of it really works well. And so like, for example, like 
I think one of the first scenes where Lestat is showing Brad Pitt like, hey, let's let's go have some blood. I'm going to show you how we do it. And they're just kind of sitting in a crowd watching people. And then he has a girl and he's like, just, you know, he's like, here, like, I bit her. Now you bite her. And then they're both just like sucking on her while she sits there essentially moaning. And then uh, all of a sudden she's dead. And you're just like, whoa, like in front of all these people, they just like killed her and no one cares. And Brad Pitt's like, oh, my gosh, like you just do this all the time. And that shot of them both just like munching on her. It was like, oh, there's something like really yucky about that, but also effective. And then same for when Kirsten Dunst, like uh, for her characters, like there's a moment where she's in bed and she like you just see her fangs and she just looks like feral. And I was like, that's creepy and then someone gets bit in the boob and at first it's sexy yeah. and then they quickly realize it's not sexy and that <laughs> moment made yeah. made my chest hurt where i was like oh like that actress really sells like she has to do a lot of work of going from like ooh, this is fun sexy time to oh my gosh what the heck Holy and fuck. then oh i'm going to be murdered please don't murder me and then lestat being like let me do other weird things to you and that scene was really gross. Um, Where he locks her in the coffin. Yes, yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah, to me, the t- to me, I agree. The scariest part of the whole book is Claudia. She's unnatural. Like, mm-hmm. she's the unnatural one. And I mean, these are vampires. But Claudia is unnatural. And I think that was the whole thing. You know, her being a young child and the way that they doll her up. And then she's an adult woman trapped. And I think, again, in hindsight, watching what Kirsten Dunst does, I'm like, damn, how did she not get a nomination, honestly? Mm. I think she got a Golden Globe a nomination for Best Supporting Actress, oh, cool. which, uh, good on her. I mean, she should have. I don't know. I have to go back and look to see who 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 got nominated for the Oscar this year. Should have been her. Um, she really nailed it because she has asked you so much. And to me, all the terror is on her. I do agree that scene with the coffin, when they put the woman in the coffin, was Again, that plays to the claustrophobia because you're never really in the coffins with them. There's the one scene later in Paris where you're in the coffin with Louis, but for the most part, you're not. Yeah, it's the you. It's the Mandela effect, man. Where you think you're in, you think there's more shots than you there are. <laughs> no, I do think you think that there's more shots, but it's true. You you definitely think you're in the coffins more with them because it's it's they talk about coffins and they it's just it's small. It's a small. Perf- the way that they they talk and are like kind of soothe you, it just works really well. And um, I think that's the terrifying stuff is the thought of what you don't see is almost more terrifying than what you do see in this. Completely disagree. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. You're like, whoa, okay, Kyle. No, that's um, fair. No, I yeah. agree with you. Um, and the other moment too, which is something I was curious about with your knowledge, um, is the other moment that I thought was really effective and gross. And of course I'm watching this movie in my living room and my roommate comes in both times where it's just full frontal nudity. And he's like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, listen, man, like, give me a break. <laughs> so he, your roommate came in with his pants off. Why does he keep doing yeah, that? Yeah. He came in and he started biting me and I was like, fine. Okay. A little bit. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, there's a scene with this like vampire theater and, uh, that too was really, that's, uncomfortable yeah super uncomfortable basically it's like unbeknownst to humans i think basically like the humans think they're just watching a play but the vampires are like ha 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 a play about vampires that's really kind of a snuff film but a snuff play 
Snuff play. <laughs> I know. Um, and that scene, again, like, yeah, I think, like, the film, and we'll talk about this in the negative, I think the film's kind of goofy sometimes um, just because it's dated, but it it does have those moments that I could imagine, like, they work now, but I can imagine even more so when this film first came out that people probably were like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> there's decapitations, there's blood spraying for people being bit, you know, there's all sorts of, of gore, and uh, I think the film did a good job. So my horror fan was pleased. Good. Excellent. I'm happy to Yes. Know. Any other positives, my friend, before we uh, talk a little doo-doo? Uh- Let's talk a little doo doo. I feel good. I mean, I could, I could go, I could wax poetic, but I've got some, I've got some mental notes for negatives. I'm excited to say. I've been thinking about this for like two weeks since I've watched okay, it, okay. so I'm ready to tell. Well, you. tell me, okay. tell me what doesn't work in this movie for you. Well, it's, I, it's the because we just were talking about how they set us in, and you said a cool word that I can't say. And here's the thing, and I said there's almost no exposition, which is true. That is also a negative, is Anne Rice wrote this screenplay, and so she assumed you read the book. <laughs> and there is a lot of shorthand. And I wonder, you didn't read the I book, did not. Right? I feel like you are missing out on some things. Oh, I feel and again, that way too. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And I was like, what now? Like, Armand is such a big part of the book, and he's hardly in this. And so it's like the way that he and Louis fall in love with each other in this doesn't work. Yeah. And he's like, Armand would never let that happen to me. You're like, what now? Why? Yeah. You guys met yesterday. Yeah. I mean, what, what, so to me, I feel like she did wait. Like I love, I love to not have exposition, man. I think exposition man is a dick. I don't want him in my movie uh, <laughs> ever, but you still need somebody. You got to have, and, and it's perfect. They're outsiders. There's new in Paris. Armand can talk to them, yeah. but he doesn't. And even when you, so I feel like, and because it's interview with the vampire, you can cut back to that at any time. And Daniel can just be like, tell me more about that. And then you can tell me. Yeah. But she just shorthanded her way. And I don't know if that was done in the editing suite. I don't know if Neil Jordan shot a six hour movie and they're like, no, but something feels it's almost like I'm missing a reel. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest negative for me is while I love everything I'm seeing, it's like, wait. Did Tyler Durden just speaking of Brad Pitt stick a penis in the middle of this? But instead of doing that, he just took a whole reel out and stick a penis in here. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because there there was a lot of times during this movie where I went, okay, I know that I just ate a whole plate of nachos <laughs> and then I drink a lot of whiskey because I'm kind of sad, but I feel like I'm missing some stuff and it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's not your fault. okay good because there the, i feel like especially the third act i feel like the film kind of has a great start and then you're not quite sure where it's gonna go and then as soon as it introduces kirsten dunch like oh, okay and then some other stuff happens that causes the party to split up and then right and then once they arrive and then all, i feel like the film all of a sudden is like uh and they want to find out where they came from so they they went to libraries and then they went to paris and um they're there now yeah. and then he found a vampire and and stephen ray walks upside down yeah and so that whole third <laughs> yeah he starts being a freaking weirdo um that seems so seems so weird anyway um <laughs> So I feel like the third act is just kind of like, oh, okay, this is real late in the game to introduce this and then have it be like the big climactic moment. Because like you said, 
the way like and it's funny because you brought up the line of dialogue specifically where he was like Armand won't let you do that and I was like bitch you just met him what is the like what and even when you were talking about their relationship I was like oh that must be a novel theme because I was just confused the whole time like what like even all of a sudden they're just like oh like we know that you did this thing and that's one of the rules that vampires have you can't do so you guys are like in big trouble and I was like how do you know that like I know now because I read the plot synopsis and I was like oh okay I guess I missed that but they don't really explain it very well they don't vampire powers is something I'd like to talk about later in a little bit but so yeah I'm with you I think um I think the film could have used some more explanation on certain things because sometimes it is just kind of like all of a sudden you're in a scene and you're like oh huh it's sexy it doesn't matter I guess (laughs) well I think that's it I think they were leaning on the charm of the two of them on screen once they saw Antonio and Brad in the dailies they're like we don't need anything else this is the movie Um, but it's like you say I'm going to quote you back to you and then I'll be you you can be Noah when I'll say it needed 20 more minutes yeah and then I say, then the movie would have been longer. Oh, I'm French. <laughs> wow. You do a really terrible French accent. That was awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> no. Anyway, but I, I, you know, but I hear, and I, I'm with, no, I mean, I'm of, of the opinion. Almost everything's probably 20 minutes too long. Um, and this movie, if you're going to make it, like there are parts earlier on that you could cut to cut 20 minutes to add 20 minutes on the yeah. back end because it's like i said it's missing a reel and uh and that's old people talk for movies kids when reels were actually when films were on reels a movie would be five reels long and if you skipped a reel the movie didn't make any sense and that happens in this movie <laughs> oh it's all making sense i thought it was like a fit like See? a fishing reel and you no, throw the line no to reel. get the no, to get sorry. the movie back you know? No, that was it. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Yeah, no, anyway. But I think I'm with you. I, I, I do think it, 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 I, I didn't remember it at the time, seeing it in the theater, because I was, you get, and I don't think even the, when you get so caught up in them, I think there is, there's something about Antonio Banderas and Brad Pitt being on screen that you forget what else is happening. You forget, like, wait, you just killed Claudia now? What now? Yeah. Why, why did you do that again? Mm-hmm. And again, I just don't think it's explained very well. And that hurts. That hurts what, you know, was up to that point, 75 minutes of a really great film. And you're like, wait, because, you know, that, why not just make it three hours? Yeah. Just go for it. Yeah. That's why I'm excited for the television show, because I think like yeah. me, like the person like me, I'll be able to then get those relationships developed a little bit more to where it, it feels a little bit more impactful, hopefully. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and also Noah, I doubt that you're here listening, but if you are, I meant everything I said. No, um, I love you. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you're beautiful. Um, something else that uh, doesn't work for me, and I'm curious what you think, is that I think, and I think this is mainly the film being dated, but sometimes the like the vampire abilities are really dumb. Like and early on, there's a moment where they're totally Brad Pitt's like, I'm angry. So I'm now going to have a very slow wire fight with Tom Cruise. And you're just like, ugh, this is, that was bad. This is bad. And there's, and it's not just that it's kind of bad and cheesy, but it's also the films like all over the place with what vampires can do. And so there's a lot of times where I was like, do we all get to fly? Can we all float? Are we all strong? 
And I think that the film doesn't necessarily do a good job of explaining that. Because I did understand that vampires have different abilities, but um, it felt like they chose to use them at times that were convenient. For example, Brad Pitt as a vampire is able to do some quick movement and it's like, whoa, you were just behind me. Now you're in front of me. But then there's a there's a shot in the film where he's he picks up Claudia and he's just like running with her very slowly. And I just was like, do vampire speed. You have it. Do it. <laughs> you have it. Yeah, yeah. So. I agree. No, I agree. I think it was definitely like vampires. And it was supposed and the problem is it would work. Hand wavy vampires like flux capacitor works mm-hmm. because it's flux. It, you don't need to know how it works because it does. That's why that movie's perfect, because it just works. So they don't try to explain the rules. It's just flux capacitor. F*** go. And I think if this movie were just like vampires, they do crazy shit. You'd be like, okay, yeah. I guess you could do that now. But instead of like trying so hard to squeeze rules in, don't, don't make too many rules. The more rules you add to your story, the more people who know story or are remotely discerning are going to be like, what now? That is the exact, like you said, that whole thing with Brad Pitt. He's like super fast. He could do like sleight of hand magic if he needed to. Um, Which would be a great gimmick for a vampire to just do sleight of hand (laughs) magic tricks on the street. That would be amazing. I mean, what a, that's a story. That's like Bobo, the sad vampire (laughs) who just does like three card. Yeah. Um, That would be fine. But because you, you show us things, you show us rules you got to live within your rules that you created. And I agree this film doesn't do that. And again, I think it's where it's missing something. It's just, it, it could have worked if you just gave that more time to breathe. And like Stephen Ray walking upside down, I forgot. And I don't remember. I do not. That's not in the book. That's not there. I didn't, I started, started rereading the book. My plan was to reread the whole book before we got here. And I will be honest and admit I only got halfway through, Ugh. not because I didn't want to, but because I had other books I was reading and I told my wife I would finish a book that we were reading together. And so she, no offense, but she is more important. I mean, this wasn't a prerequisite that I had, so I, <laughs> I'm not yeah, offended that was my at choice. all. Yeah. You did care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I am going to finish it, though, because I don't like when I saw that scene, I'm like, that is not ringing any bells. I think it's and I like even blocked it out that it was in the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. So almost works for me just in the sense that it's it's weird. And so to give some context, if people don't like understand what we're talking about, it's basically Brad Pitt arrives in this new city and it's the first time he's meeting a vamp, another vampire, and this guy just starts mimicking him. And Brad Pitt's like, "Uh, okay." Like he's kind of like at first, like this is kind of cute, and then he's like, "All right, this is annoying." And the guy just starts like doing like Charlie Chaplin like weird stuff around, and then you're just kind of like, "This is strange." It's still going, and then eventually Antonio Banderas is like, "Stop! This is stupid," and you're like, "Thank you." <laughs> <laughs> and right, was that him acting or was that him just like, okay, cut this, yes. we're, we're done. Neil, he's like looking at the camera. He's like, can we cut yeah. now? No, we're going to keep, is that we're going to keep doing yeah. this? Yeah, I agree. That was, that's a problem. I just think, I think it falls, I agree, you said it perfectly. The third act falls apart a little and it shouldn't because I think that was the moment. It's in the third act when they lean forward and there's, they almost kiss and the whole theater held its breath wondering if that was going to yeah. happen. And I wonder if there's a I wonder if there's a scene where they did it or if or if it works better because they didn't. Yeah. 
I don't know the answer. Well, we'll have to track um, down those reels, as you say. Check down those reels. Yeah. No. But anyway, I agree. It's, it, 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 it's, a, it's almost because, I mean, Interview with the Vampire is Louis' story. Lestat's not in it very much. Mm. But you hired Tom Cruise with the idea of you were going to make the sequel to this movie, to this book. It's called The Vampire Lestat. It was set up for a sequel. It, they didn't make it. So they, they, and you know, it's Tom Cruise. You're going to put Tom Cruise in your movie. He's going to be top billing. It's going to be, but it's not his story. And so you have to have him in it enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem too, is it's Louis' story. The second book is Lestat's book. The first book is Louis' book. And so you're going to make the first movie and it's got to be Louis' book. And so if you need Tom Cruise to be the star, then you need to switch the roles. But then he doesn't get to be the vampire Lestat and do that big performance and be good at that. So yeah. I just think it's it's they decided, well, we got to have 75 minutes of Tom Cruise. But that's not really the story. Yeah. OK. OK. It's all making that's, sense. I, I, I just. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So for me, it feels, the biggest negative is if you didn't read, if you didn't have the map, this would make no sense. OK. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have the map. It didn't not make a ton of sense that was a weird <laughs> sentence um yeah i got most go. of it but that is a good transition yeah. um because i think to go to what i said earlier about brad pitt being a negative is that i don't think brad pitt is doing a job a bad job with his acting i just think that his character in comparison to Tom Cruise is so boring, but it makes sense because they're on different levels of an emotional journey where Brad Pitt is mourning the loss of his family and then his uh, humanity when he is turned into a vampire. And so he's upset about being a vampire. He doesn't like it. There's not even like a moment of him liking it. There's not like a montage of Never, like, ever. I'm right. killing people and it's fun. And then all of a sudden he's <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. wake up before you go, girl. Something about New Orleans and I'm killing crocodiles. Um, but he he hates it from the, from the beginning. And so his story is much more somber and sad. And he's just kind of there to be somber and sad. And so in the film, he's just, again, he, you never watch him and you go, ugh, this is bad. But you also aren't going like, wow, I'm so interested in Brad Pitt. You're just going hubba hubba, but also like... What's what's Lestat up to? And so my hypothesis was that this is like a Hunger Games slash classic just novel situation where because you are not getting the protagonist's thoughts, you are missing out on a lot of their personality and story because so much of those books are what characters think. And, you know, you get a little bit of that because he's narrating um, and some of those lines, I was like, this sounds like a novel line. And I liked it. Um, yeah. But so much of the movie is just Brad Pitt doing the same thing. And so I I did see on IMDb that, you know, it, it's very well known, like you said, that he had a, a horrible time making this film. But the thing that he said that I was like, oh, that makes sense to me is that he made the comparison of, you know, in this movie, I'm just kind of there being sad but in the novel what intrigued me is that you have a main character who's going okay like it's existential who am i what am i good am i evil and it's all there can i be yeah good? can yeah. i am i the devil yeah can right. i be can i how do i keep going on living now that i have this thing and it's all there in the film physically in terms of what's happening but you you don't necessarily there's not an arc for 
um, Louis in this film. Like at the end, I wasn't satisfied from his journey. I was like, oh, his, his I was kind of like Christian Slater. I was like, your story's just done. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what do you yeah. think about all that? No, I think you should drop the mic. I agree wholeheartedly. It is, I like your Hunger Games comparison. I also think she's a bad actor in that <laughs> film and maybe somebody else. But, you know, again, she, they didn't, they made her say, make this face. And so she made it yeah. for four movies. She made the same <laughs> blank, dead, dead-eyed stare. And everybody else is moving shit around. Elizabeth Banks is going to 11 and Woody Harrelson's and Jennifer Lawrence is just a face the whole time. So I, again, those books are excellent. I love those books. And those movies are really bad. <laughs> um, you are correct. That is an apt comparison. It is because not everything can translate. Not everything has to be a movie. And if you are going to make a movie out of it, then you have to do an adaptation. You've said to me privately, not, you know, it's like you can't just write your book as a script and pretend it's a script. Mm. It can't be that. Like you can't just put every single word yeah. in there. That's not how an adaptation works. You got to kill your darlings. You got to move things around. Um, and again, she wrote this. So she's like, I know what happened. <laughs> yeah, but not everybody did. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, she, she, she just assumed and, and, and Brad Pitt is a good actor. And like you said, he, he openly says he hated it. Like he made this, and I think legends of the fall the same year. And he like Ray rants braves. And he's also playing a sad modeling yes. guy in that, but it's a, but it's a different experience and the actors around him are doing something different. And he's just not in a swamp. The August, and there's he's scenes that just, take place during the daytime, which I know he hated just all once the night in a while. <laughs> Yeah, right. And that's got to be hard on your, you know, that's hard on your psyche. Um, although I do think he has a house in New Orleans. I think that's right, that Brad Pitt has a house down there. So it's it's weird that he would choose to to go back to yeah. the scene of his emotional crime. But I think you're right. It's like, even in the hands of a really good actor, and I think he is very good, it just doesn't work. It can't be conveyed. It's just like, that guy's making a sad face. It's like, he's yeah. like a constipated toddler. <laughs> With <laughs> a stupid just, haircut. Yeah, Oof. that's maybe it was uh, appropriate to the time. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, I hear you. So it's not perfect in any stretch of imagination. And I just think I think you said it perfectly. I think you should be hired to write the uh, screenplay for the series, obviously. And they'll be like, "So, um, are you uh, a big fan of the book?" And I'll go, "No, I think this the movie's hot though, and I like Brad Pitt, and I talked about him." And they're like, hey, yeah, so there you go. That's all we need. Sold. And Anne Rice is like, no, not again. Not this guy. Not him. Yeah. <laughs> well, she wrote this herself, so she has no one to blame. A quick question on that. And then I think we should get to our ratings. And then I have a quick, and I have some, some other spoiler yeah. questions I'd like to, to ask you about. But why didn't this get the sequel of the Vampire Lestat? Because to my understanding, this film was well received and you know i don't think it was like all the millions but i feel like it made its money back and so especially with everything that you were saying of them having mm -hmm. this plan of ooh, that book is really where like you know we get to kind of go crazy and like that's why we're kind of putting tom cruise in here more than he's you know deserves to be based on the material why didn't that film happen do we know i honestly i honestly don't know this they, they made the queen of the dance yes later with Stuart Townsend that makes that is that is a steaming pile of dog shit. that movie is awful 
Um, and that's when, in true, in the in the vampire, Lisette becomes a, lot, a rock star. That is all true, and they wrote that in. So the Queen of the Damned, they do try to get some of the Lestat stuff in there. So I don't know if it was just because Brad Pitt didn't want to do it. I don't know if Neil Jordan, I don't know the reason. I really, truly don't know. Um, I know Anne Rice was happy with this film. Who knows? Maybe they were like, you know, those two dudes almost kissed. We can't. The next one, they're totally going to make out. I, I don't have a good. I didn't go down the rabbit hole. So bad guest. I'm sorry. I don't know. Hey, it's OK. You know, like nowadays we're getting sequels to stuff years later that were canceled or, you know, abruptly or, uh, you know, we're getting like a, a Halloween where it's like, oh, we're ignoring all the other stuff. Or, hey, Twin Beaks is coming back. Or, hey, Dexter sucked, but like he's in snow now. So maybe maybe they'll come back and they'll be like, hey, we got Brad Pitt. We got Tom Cruise. We're doing the, you know, the vampire stuff. And we're just going to like, we're going to do the Irish. We're going to do the Irishman where we, where we try to uh, digitally de-age them. And it just looks really <laughs> stupid. And everyone in the theater goes, Robert De Niro is obviously not 30 years old. And the fact that you, Martin Scorsese, are trying to tell me his makes me think that your time is over because you're obviously gone senile. He looks so jank. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even bother to watch it based on the trailers I saw. I'm like, I am not interested in this four hour anything. So you are not selling it for me to go watch no, it. No, I, I like I love Martin Scorsese, so I'm gonna watch everything he does, but I uh I watched it and then I recommended to my friend. She started and she's like, I don't know, man. If you tell me it's worth it, I'll keep going, but I don't know. And I went, I think it's worth it. You should keep going. And then she finished it and she came back and she was like it wasn't worth it. I'm mad that you told me to finish it. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you bought her a coffee yes. and made it yeah. better. Yeah. And I gave her wrist yeah. a little a little nibble. Okay. Well, that's because that's what's a little nibble between. Yeah, her. you get it, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally so let's let's give oh. our ratings and then we'll move on to Spoiler Town. Okay. Uh, what did you end up giving this film, my friend? I gave it just a B. You said B plus. I did. Just close. I gave it. I, I said I give it a B. The reason it's not a B plus is because again, and I realized it on. I probably the first time I watched it, I probably gave it a B plus mm-hmm. or maybe even an A minus. You know, and I've seen it multiple times. But this view going into it, this is like, man, there is a whole part missing, and I just can't forgive it for that. Um, I definitely think Kirsten Dunst was ace. She's just I, I can't believe how great she was at twelve. Um, yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, so I think, I think there's a lot of good, this is one of Tom Cruise's best performances. Um, and he, he doesn't have a ton of great ones in my (laughs) opinion. Um, and so, so yeah, I just think it was solid. I think it was, there's an A film in there. It just needed to be 20 minutes longer. Okay. What very, very well, well said summary. Um, I'm the same as you actually. So I think that's fun. You, I just went a little bit higher for you. You would have been a little lower. And then we met in the middle, like a bunch of sexy right aristocrat vampires. Yeah. yeah. That's how we do. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Like this movie is very watchable. Like I enjoyed sitting there and it took me somewhere else. And I liked what I was seeing on screen. There's parts that are gross. There are parts that are emotional. It's just, yeah, there's some there's some clunkiness. There's some some aged stuff that doesn't work well. And then that third act. And then, again, that bad cover of the song at the end where you're just like, Oof, you're just wanting really the good version. It. And then every second. Don't kick that song in. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, wait. 
What what's happening? And Guns N' Roses covered a couple of. I mean, they did Live and Let Die too during uh, that time. It's like who keeps letting them ruin my childhood? Yeah. Don't don't. What are you doing? And I like Guns N' Roses. Don't get me wrong, but like, don't go write your go. Do, because it isn't. They're not doing anything. It's not like Tori Amos's cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is a totally different yeah. song, right? Actually, like her version of Tell Smells Like Teen Spirit, I'm like, oh, this is a song I can get behind. Yeah. Like I can understand what's happening now. I mean, I love the Nirvana one, but it's like, I get what's happening. But they're like, we're just going to do it like the Stones, but suck you. Yeah. And you're like, don't. That really, what are that, you doing? there's no other direction that they, they, they've received. That what is what it is, literally. It's, <laughs> so it's, it's close enough to where you're like, yeah, but it's, it's bad that you go, what are you doing? I wish that they would have yeah. even like, yeah, like you said, like this, it wasn't popular at the time, but it, like you got to be different. So like at least do the like what they do now with trailers where they make happy songs really depressing and sad. So it should have been like, please allow me to introduce oh. myself. I'm a man. Yeah. Well. And you're just like, ooh, yeah, sexy time. The movie's over and I'm feeling yeah. good. But instead it's just like, please now. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. I'm, I'm So you're saying they need a Leonard Cohen version. Yes. That is what I'm oh saying. Oh my God. That would have been which is yes. why we need to be hired. So, why is no one consulting us on these projects that well, were made when like, I was one year old? And they're like, Leonard Cohen is now passed as well. But yeah, I agree. That would have been amazing. A Leonard Cohen version or even like a, a I put a Shatner version of uh, Space Oddity on a podcast the other Ooh. day. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to cover Space Odyssey, don't. But if you're going <laughs> to let Shatner do it, right? Those, that's it. Yeah. David Bowie's version is perfect. Don't touch it. But you're like, we got Shatner to do it. You're like, okay. Yep. My favorite advice is first off, don't. But if you're going to this, like whenever someone gives me that advice, it's always my favorite thing in the world because I feel known. It's like, don't do it. But I know you're going to. If you're going to do it, this is how you should do it. It's like, all right. Thinking ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's transition, my friend, to, to spoiler okay. town. So again, if you're really excited about not knowing what happened in this movie, get out of here, you crazy kid. And That was made in 1994. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe you're catching up. Maybe you're still making your way through the 60s or 70s. I don't know. But, yeah, that's fair. Um, can you make that, that cool sound again, Tony, that, that transition? Thank you. All right. Spoilers. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, my quick question to you is, again, having read the books, I was confused about the powers because, and not like just general vampire <laughs> powers, but I was confused by, it seemed like every vampire kind of had a special power. So telepathy is brought up to where Lestat can do it, um, but Brad Pitt seems to not be able to do it. But then at the end, and I didn't remember this, but it seemed like he was having a conversation with uh, Dana. What's his face? Um, Daniel. Uh, is that Antonio Banderas? Oh, no. Oh, Armand. Armand. Okay. Yeah. It seemed like they were having a conversation where Armand's like, the reason I like you is because you are a vessel for capturing America's, like, sadness. And then I was like, wait, is that his power? And then, But then at the end, because at first I was like, that's just, like, silly, like, 
goop, m- emotional like goobly gop. But then at the end, he's like, no, that's why I'm leaving. You can't have my sadness because it's the only thing that I have. And I was like, oh, so we're talking literally here. Like he could take regrets away from you i i was very confused by that it was no i think that was i think i think it was i can't be with you armand because you'll make me happy mm, okay that's which does not feel no, earned the, as the we man, established because i was like you knew correct. this man for five not seconds not in this version at all <laughs> i mean they get like i'd say the middle third of the book is armand and louis together okay <clears throat> like all the way to the end i actually think at the end I think it's Armand who turns Daniel, too, into a vampire. Oh, okay. But it's not until later. I think that's the second or third book that Daniel finally gets turned. Um, And I feel very comfortable saying that it was Armand who did it. Okay. I feel, I don't feel comfortable saying it personally. Just that's like my religious background, but I'm glad that you can. (laughs) Fair. That's that's fair enough. Um, No, I I think the vampire powers in the movie were done because they're like, look, we can cool, do cool wire fights because Mm. vampires not having any powers is boring. But the point is, which is the book. The point of the book isn't that they have powers. It's that, like you said, it's an existential crisis as a vampire book. And that, Lestat is a child. Lestat, and this is the thing. Lestat is a man-child, and Claudia is an adult woman with adult woman needs inside a little girl's body. Yeah. Lestat is a spoiled brat. He is a dick. And he's just not a dick. He's an adolescent dick. Like, yeah. he's older than... Armand's only 17. Armand makes Lestat, okay? So... Oh, no, it was Marius. Sorry, Mar- Marius makes them both. And Marius is this big evil demon. And Lestat is a young man when he's made, but he's also like a self-righteous <laughs> He never changes from that. So he's like stuck in permanent adolescence. And that's the comment. It's like, you. I mean, you talked about it. Why is it that rich, privileged white kids taste so good? Because he's them. Yeah. He's like, he wants to be them. And there's something about him showing them up because he's like, you know, this poor French... I don't know. Remember, I haven't read Lestat in a while. I do know there's like a six page description of like snow on pine trees. I'm not making that oh, up. Love it. And then he, then he fights wolves. Ooh, cool. And it's like you forgive her for the six pages of snow on pine trees because then this wolf fight is fucking bad. And you're like, wait, Anne, cut, cut to the chase a little. She needs an editor. But at that point, nobody would ever tell her yeah. no. Um, you know, nobody tells Stephen King no anymore. And sometimes you should. Yeah. Right. So anyway, she um, so so I think the powers, the powers were really irrelevant. The strength, the, the that's the reason she writes them without the weaknesses that we're used to. Mm, OK, is because it's not about that. It's not about there is no Van Helsing. That's not the point. of Yeah, this. it's it's living with. She's asking everyone to look at yourself in the mirror because vampires can see themselves and to decide, do you really want to live forever? Yeah. Okay, And it's what, you know, it's like the reason that you love Highlander, even though it's objectively terrible and all the performances are fucking awful except for Clancy Brown, is because the Queen soundtrack sings, do you want, who wants to live forever? And it breaks your heart every time. And then it makes you think about, oh, this is really sad. Yeah. Christopher Lambert's so bad, but oh my God, Queen, you can do everything. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So she taps into that, though. That's what she's about. She's about asking that question, immortality. And because she's Catholic and because she's dealing with with stuff and guilt and her son is gay. And and what is that? Like, is that okay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Catholic Church, that's not okay. And they did lose they did lose a child. 
which is who Claudia is. I think the daughter was actually called Claudia. And so there's all of this stuff, right? So she's dealing with this. That's what these books are. It's dedicated to her son, to her husband, Stan. He's Lestat. Like, he's her Lestat. That's how I've always felt it. She's Louis and he's Lestat. That's me. That's my deep read, right? But it all works in the book because everything that you got from not even reading the book. And so the movie just falls apart. And so they have to give them powers. It was a long way to go to say they give them powers in the movie because it would be too boring to not do it. And that had to be a studio note. I can't imagine that was her idea. Okay. I feel like the studio is like, if we're going to make this, there's got to be some flying vampire fight scene. <laughs> the, the telepathy is real. Okay. But because again, that's emotional. That's like, when you connect with someone, you feel like you can read their thoughts. You feel like, you know, oh, I know my partner's in a bad place, but even though I'm not with him or he's over there, but he's feeling bad and I can feel that, yeah. you know, it's like, so I feel like there's, that's the power. It's all emotive and it's vampirism as metaphor, as opposed to, you know, for lots of things as we discussed. Yeah. Um, but so that, that's my long winded reason of the vampire powers. I think, Nobody would make the movie. And that's why I think the TV show, they'll make it, though. Yeah. I don't think they'll be powerful. I mean, they'll be strong and they'll live forever, but I think the show will give them the opportunity to slow walk it and be like, oh, I'm interested because I could do a character study as opposed to I got to have sexy vampires fly fighting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we've got this wire technology. Let's use it. Nah, you should... You should take a pass. At yeah, that. which it is funny. The film gets just like real extra at the end with like the wires and stuff. And then like all of a sudden, like Brad Pitt has like a scythe and he's just like running through. And it is the oh scythe is shown earlier. So that made me not mad because I was like, it's not super random. But in terms of just like we're an action movie now, I was like, whoa. And then again, it has that, what is that quick yeah. like movement vampire like the guy teleports behind him basically which doesn't even matter because then brad pitt and that's what cracked me up is that it's not even like cliche movie thing where the bad guy is teleporting really fast and the good guy just has to like anticipate where he's going and swing and then hits it's brad pitt swings at the guy he dodges does his quick movement and then brad pitt just turns around and then the guy's there and then he cuts him in half and i was like what <laughs> That was you're bad. You're bad at vampire fighting. Third act. I know. Um, okay, yeah. that's good to know. Um, continuing with that, I was again. I think a lot of my questions. I just am wanting that book perspective. But um, obviously, the vampires have a problem with uh, Brad Pitt uh, because you know he participated in the the murder of uh, another vampire, which is a big no no um, in their culture, and so. They are uh, betrayed and Brad Pitt is, you know, put into the coffin, which I was like, oh, that's awful. Um, And then uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst is Claudia. Claudia, Thank you. Um, I was like, Cassette. No, that's Le Miz, which Le Miz would be cool with vampires. Anyway, I would watch the shit out of that. that (laughs) Let's recast it with the same cast. Ooh, I love that. Okay, you yeah. and me, we're, we're going to make right. this happen. We're on um, that. Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, it's like, from the guys who objectified Brad Pitt comes. <laughs> oh, sexy vampires, lay style. style. Yeah. Um, but then Fantaine, her death scene would be at the sunrise. Yes. Oh, well, I was going to say, and then, and then same for, um, let's see, not Javert. Who's the, um, let's see, uh, who's the guy, who's the policeman? Is that Javert or? Okay. Yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be the same thing too, as opposed to shackling and going into the river. He would uh, 
he would yeah. do the sunrise. Wait, wait for the sunrise. Oh man, mm-hmm. I want this so bad. And then we would play. He would sing Duran Duran's "Wake Up for the Sun," "Reach Up for the Sunrise." That would be the song he yeah. sings instead. <laughs> Reach up for the sunrise. Yes. <laughs> And then when there's the the confrontation song and they're fighting, he'd be like, "All I did was suck a man," and then you know they would. Um, and instead of like you know silver spoons that he stole, it was like silver uh, steaks. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm it's I'm, old I'm man this. Van Helsing is the like nice like monk guy who gives him the shot of redemption, <laughs> but he's a vampire, so he hates himself. And then he's got a little man. It writes itself. Um, it does. I mean, duh. Um, I mean, listen, Victor Hugo's in the public yeah. domain. Yeah. Um, I want, yeah, I'm like, now I'm like, imagine like a comic book version of this too. <laughs> and I'm like, what if I added like, another project to my list? Um, yeah. So in the, in the, um, in the book, is, is there any more than that? Because obviously there's this side bad guy in the movie who again does the weird sky dancing and then, um, is kind of Santiago. Santiago and he's kind of like the main like magician slash not magician but like performer of the theater um, is there more to like them being really against our protagonists other than they killed a vampire um, because it seemed like they're like hey welcome and then all of a sudden it's just like nope like you have to die and like we're really happy about it too and we're also the antagonists that have not existed the whole movie but now we're here and we have to fight and die (laughs) (laughs) i I do feel like santiago dies in this first book and again like i said my reread i only got halfway through and it's been probably 15 years since i read it last um I feel also it's more of a jealousy thing. Like Armand is their benefactor and all of a sudden this new hot side piece is coming in. And there's, you know, and I really think there's that. I think it's a jealousy situation. It's like, well, why do you like him just because he's shiny and hot? I'm also here. I also can dance in the sky, my man. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's that's what my memory serves. Um, I'll probably have it finished by tomorrow or the next day. So I'll let you know. Uh, just off air and that doesn't help our listeners but um that's that's what my memory serves is it's just more that it's a jealousy thing and yes they do things that piss people off and claudia does die in the pit of sun Mm -hmm. um after she gets you know she gets her girlfriend created um but yeah I, i i don't i don't remember it being so abrupt again um it's just so because they created too many powers for the vampires for this movie version, it just doesn't work as well as much as it is like simmering rage. Okay. And then is it the same thing too? Cause I feel like this would be a really devastating moment in the book, which is basically the realization that uh, for Louis, that um, Armand or whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> I'm so bad with names. Um, yeah. Armand. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. That he basically, let it happen slash facilitated yeah, it so that he, he could, you know, get Louis to himself, which they say in the movie, but then it's just kind of like, Oh, well, I never thought that he was a good guy really. So it's not sad, but I guess in, in the book, is it more of a like, oh, you son of a bitch, I trusted you. Or is it kind of the same where it's like, Oh, I knew that you just wanted me and now I'm mad at you because you, killed my little yeah i think it's more that and it's it's more of a and and you know and it is it is also kind of like yes our you have to ask yourself does armand let it happen 
because Armand is the leader. Yeah. But if there's also f- 500 angry vampires, how much of a leader is? I mean, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's so so. It's also like he let it happen, but he also couldn't stop it from happening. And what was he going to do? Was he going to jump in there and die too, trying to save her from the yeah. sun? He's not going to do that. So I don't. I don't think it's as clear that. And I don't even think in the film it's as clear that Armand let it happen. Okay. I think it happened on Armand's watch. Yeah. You have to, you know, and that's so it's like, do you fire the coach because the quarterback throws six interceptions? It's that kind yes, of question. But right? I don't it's watch like, sports, so obviously that's wrong. Okay, well, that's wrong. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know what yes. I'm saying. Directors directors don't get another movie because the movie bombs, but the actor who's in the bomb gets another yeah. one. Right. All the time that happens. And so it's the director's fault. But it's like, well, you saw the actor suck balls, right? You saw that? Oh, no. Hmm. No. Okay. It's all that. It's only the act. You know, it's like it's only the director's fault. Yes. It's the director's name. The director's the one who's supposed to make it good. But it could be in the editing suite. It could be whatever. You know, there's lots of things that could happen. And so um, sometimes the wrong person gets blamed. So I don't I don't remember it being that Armand let it happen is that our mind didn't stop it from happening. And I think those are different. Well, I was going to say that's the, the, the philosophical question. Um, but yes, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. That's good to know. Slash speaking of Claudia's death, that's just like rough. Like well, that was, rough, that was right? like a good moment where you're just like, Oh, that's awful. Like, uh, and that, but she also is, yeah, awful. she's also a monster, but that was where the vampire powers came in where I was like, can you fly out of there? Can one of you fly? No. <laughs> no. Well, it wouldn't matter because if you flew, you'd just be flying to get to your death sooner. But they were, you could they jump were in up. there at night. They were locked in they there. They were in there at night. Right. So that's, yeah. that's where but, I was like, can you guys fly up there? No. I, right. Because they, the they could have cr- crawled up the wall. Yeah. Or, and they're strong. You know, you know break, the, break the, the bars. But I know the movie's like, no, they're going to die, Kyle. Inconvenient. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they need them to die. That is, they die in a pit. Yeah. Um, I only have two more things to say, and then yeah. I'll let you take take us down um, to the um, the Golden Gate Bridge where we can poorly cover a song that is classic. Um, Absolutely. You saying five hundred? Like, what are you going to do? Fight five hundred angry vampires? Made me think. Okay, so after our Le Mis adaptation with vampires, I'm thinking we do 12 Angry Men, but 12 Angry Vampires. Uh, yes, done. <laughs> all one room, just a bunch of vampires trying to, again, it's like, did did this little girl murder a vampire? And we have to decide if we we're going to put her in a pit. Um, I love that. No, I'm in. Is that, was that Mammoth, 12 Angry Men? Who did 12 I don't Angry know. Men? I just watched that's that for the la- for the la- for the first time last year, and for the last time. yeah, I watched that no, for the last time it, first no year. No one else can ever watch it. You've watched it once, and that's the last time I got on Twitter and let anymore. everyone know that no one else can watch it now. <laughs> and then I got canceled. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. right? Oh, it was so good. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, man, they knew how to they knew how to do it back in the day. Um, yeah. Side note, I um, yeah want uh in the miniseries i want there to be um a shot from the alligator's point of view when he goes to eat lestat eat and lestat. then That'd he cool. finds out that lestat's alive and is like oh shit 
I thought this was a free dinner. Now this guy's munching on me, and I'm aroused. Can I get aroused? I didn't know this. I want that. Sold. Send that to whoever the director is. <laughs> Done. Person. Fantastic. We need an alligator boner. Yeah. Anything else um, spoilery that you want to talk about, Tony? No, I think, I mean, I think, I, I again, I think the ending of this movie is stupid um, uh, because of that song. <laughs> and and I get I get the ending of it where it's like the reveal that Louis or that uh, Lestat's still alive. And, and in the book, and again, I understand it's a different medium and it works better for the movie, but it's like, the, it, it's almost jarring because Brad Pitt's, or um, Tom Cruise has been out of it for so long. So when he comes back in and he's big, the big flamboyant, it almost is such a, such a turn that it's like they just needed to save that for the sequel. And the movie needed to end with, with either Daniel driving off or with Louie draining him and leaving him on the floor and you don't know what happens. Yeah. And then you can start the sequel. Um, I just, it just, and then Guns N' Roses, boy, what a stinker. <laughs> of a, what a stinker of a cover. So that I remember just being so angry in the theater. Like, man, you almost ruined this movie for me. So I think that's, I just didn't care for that very, very ending. And again, it's a choice. You've, to quote you, back to you again, it's, it's, it's not that I, I it's, it's a choice that the director made. And who am I to, to tell, you know, Neil what to do? But I just, if I'm the director, I would end it differently. I would have, the editor could have saved that and been like, yeah, that just seems too big. It's, it's just too big of an ending. And is this really the song we want? Is this our song choice? Yeah. Um, two things. Two things somebody needed to stop Neil from doing, <laughs> my opinion. So, but overall, I mean, I'm glad I watched it again. I'm glad we finished our vampire trilogy, which is now going to turn into us writing vampires. Yes. <laughs> We're going to, I mean, here's the thing. So, you know, Seth Graham Smith, who wrote um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which is almost a perfect book and a garbage movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and he did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which again, that's in the public domain. So he just did something. So I'm just saying, lame as vampires. I'm not, I think it's actually, I know you're sort of joking, but I'm actually not joking. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I think it's an amazing idea. So I really do think you should consider it. Well, I relinquish it to the listeners because I, I also think it's an awesome idea. And so as much as I was joking in the sense of me doing it. It's not because I think it's a dumb idea. I think it's awesome. I just am like, I got to pick a lane and I'm already doing other things. So audience, if you want to do it, you should do it. In the text version of Les Mis, I've read too many books, aren't I? I love books. No, I I haven't read Um, enough. In the text version, Les Mis is a long book and there's not, I'm not even kidding. It's probably like a 50 page section of the description of the sewers. Mm. So I already know what we can cut from the... Uh, we'll just cut that. There's a reason that's not... They do go into the sewers, obviously, at the end, but they didn't give us the twenty, the 50,000-word setup of description of this of the sewers. Yeah. So we'll cut Okay. That. Or the vampires will just live in there, and it will just be in the sewers, and that's how we'll describe Ooh, yeah. it. Ooh, yeah. It'll be under Paris instead of... Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I'm all in. Okay. Well, it's decided. Um, well, thank you, Tony, for coming on the night shift. I know it's very late for you, so I appreciate us actually having like a really legit night shift. Um, and Woo! I'm glad that when the sun comes up, like we're going to be okay. It's fine. Um, I hope so. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you listeners as well. Um, I hope you enjoyed the, the vampire trilogy, the sexy Brad Pitt objectification station, um, all aboard. <laughs> it was never the intention, but it was the only logical right. path. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, hope you, uh, if you end up checking out this movie for the first time, I hope you end up enjoying it if you've seen it and, you know, always wanted to hear two men talk about it who aren't famous, then I hope we accomplish that for you. So, uh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time on the night shift. Bye, Tony. Peace out, brother.